This episode is brought to you in part by The Table Podcast from the Hendricks Center at Dallas Theological Seminary. I'm Daryl Bach, one of the hosts, and I invite you to join us as we discuss issues of God and culture, which includes anything and everything. Listen on your podcast app or at dts.edu slash the table. I had begun to realize that not only was I spending an inordinate amount of time on social media, and part of that the way I justify it to myself sometimes is because I'm a writer. This is Michelle DeRussia, author of Katrina and Martin Luther and the new book, True You. She said that she felt like she had this professional obligation to connect with her readers. Not only was I spending more time online and on social media than I probably needed to professionally for my job, but also I could see myself falling into unhealthy behaviors and having unhealthy responses. And we've all been there, haven't we? When I feel envy or jealousy or competition start to ratchet up, uh, especially, say, among my my peer group or within my peer group, and I'm looking at other writers and other published authors and really noting how often are their posts shared and you know how many readers do they have and how often are they posting how many followers do they have at first it's kind of fun to snoop around but then we see their numbers and we compare them to our numbers that is sort of a red a red flag for me that i'm spending too much time online and have fallen into an unhealthy pattern of envy and jealousy and comparison. In one case, she had a friend, someone she knew, who started to rise to a level of recognition. Uh, Her books were doing really well, and I think I was, I had fallen into the bad habit of monitoring all of her blog posts and how many times her blog posts were shared and how many times her Facebook posts were liked. And I mean, it was almost like I could rattle off these statistics, you know, I knew them. And yeah, it was, it was unhealthy, very unhealthy. So she quit it. She took a break from media for six weeks. She did it during Lent, which is a time of year when some Christians give something up as a way of connecting with God. In the beginning, I definitely noticed that agitation and restlessness and distraction kind of humming below the surface because my brain and even my body was so accustomed to picking up my phone whenever I had a couple of spare minutes and just scrolling through Instagram or Facebook. So yeah, I could. I, it was almost a physical sensation kind of manifesting itself in my body that I could feel agitated and restless because I didn't have that outlet anymore. She wanted to pick up her phone because we're so used to that little rectangle requiring our attention. Many of us can't let go of that thing and just let it sit there. At least, we think we can't. You're listening to the show that uses journalistic tools to look inside the Christian church. We press pause on the culture wars to explore how we got here and how we can do better. I'm Chris Starin, and this is Truce. My 
last episode, we started a media fast. Well, I called it a timeout because there are some specific requirements for fasting in the Bible. Still, some people call it a media fast. Unlike Michelle's six-week experiment, we're taking just one week. We're doing this for a few reasons. One, to remind ourselves that we have control over that little box. It doesn't control us. We let it control us, which means we can stop. And we're going to be covering some important stories about how we can be influenced by the messaging in our world. It's not a bad idea to get a fresh start from time to time. In our last episode, I laid out the plan and some listeners to this show joined me. Today, we're going to hear from you about your experiences. If you haven't done this media timeout, you can download the free guide on our website at trucepodcast.com. Okay, let's dive in. I take in a lot of media. I subscribe, subscribe to 27 podcasts. There's even one I sometimes use to fall asleep to at night. I'm not thrilled with my media consumption. I kept an audio journal during my experience. We'll start with day one when our only challenge was to give up media. Radio, music, TV, social media, the works. The goal was to do this every day, but day one is all about just being aware of your reaction to going without media. Day number one of me doing the media timeout uh, and just laying in bed um, thinking about reaching for my phone being the first thing I did when I got up in the morning was stressful because you know, usually in the mornings, I will check the social media feeds and things. I'm not doing that today. And I did. I saw the screen. I got some kind of Instagram notification, but I didn't reply. I was being a good boy because I can survive a few days without social media. It's hard to believe that this technology is so new, that all of us used to be fine without it. A few years ago, my phone was fun. Now it's just another burden. Thankfully, I'm not going through this alone. I had some friends join me to tell me about their habits. My habits were that I had tech in my ears most all day long. Every day I work in a job where I'm alone a lot and I can uh, listen to podcasts and I can listen to audiobooks. So a lot of my usage is for work. So when I first wake up, I check emails text and phone calls for work and personal use. Uh, I usually don't watch TV until the end of the day. If I'm just doing chores, then yeah, there needs to be some sort of, uh, you know, white noise or music, something going on. Like, that's one reason why the TV will be on, because I'll just have it on for the noise. And um, I could be on the phone in another room and the TV will be on for background noise. I think that that's pretty normal. Most of the people I spoke with said that they tried to fill the silence in their day. I usually check Facebook and Instagram, mainly. You don't post that often. Not very often, only about my dog. <laughs> and what are you looking for on there? I just like to see what's going on in people's lives and mainly just boredom. Well, I had gotten into a habit of checking Facebook frequently because I buy and sell a lot of stuff just as hobbies and, yeah. you know, ski gear and horse gear or whatever. Yeah. And I got in the habit of getting on there a lot to see if anybody had messaged me to you know, buy something. And then I would stay on there and scroll through and look at the news and look at 
the latest fads of things and, and it just became a habit. It was mindless and I listen to music all day long. Really? Basically, yeah. When I'm at work, I have the music going. When I'm in my car, I have the music going. Music is like my happy, happy spot. At least one of you went to some greater lengths to block yourself from media. But my personal phone and the laptop I put away where it'd be kind of a pain to get dig out. I also did the same thing with the power cord to the TV, so. You disconnected the power cord? Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That's diehard, that's awesome. But I still, I've still reached for the, like I'll sit down on the couch and I'll still reach for the remote. I reached for the my phone multiple times, you know, even though it was off. And, you know, hit the button to wake it up, but it's off, off. And, I, you know, I just forget, it's a habit. For me, the hardest thing was actually podcasts and music. Because I'm almost always listening to either music or podcasts, whether I'm driving in the car somewhere or... You know, I do a lot of work on the computer editing, and when I'm editing, I usually like to have music on in the background. Um, just kind of helps me focus. Honestly, it helps me feel like I'm more alone to talk to God when I have music or music playing in the background. Yeah, I definitely had that muscle memory too. Just grab it if I was da- if there was downtime, I'd go to grab it. Or if I was working on something and I just had a second to look, I'd grab my phone. Like I needed to check something. Strangely. Almost everyone I spoke with had a job that allowed them to listen to music or podcasts virtually all day. So, going silent was a real struggle. Unless you flat out cheated. Um, I have been listening to podcasts. <gasps> I listened to all of season two. Of my show? Of your show. Wow. In one day. I felt like we hung out the whole day. <laughs> That's day one. The result? A lot of people cheated or made compromises with music or podcasts because they have jobs that give them a lot of downtime each day. That's okay. The important thing is that we paid attention. I, by the way, am not completely innocent. I cheated a little bit yesterday. It's a movie that I've been wanting to see for a long time, and I feel kind of bad about it, given that I only made it couple hours into this thing, but um, I just wanted to be honest with y'all. And if we didn't notice the difference the first day, say because we went to a movie, then day two certainly would have forced us to pay attention. We use the Screen Time app on our phones to monitor how much time we spend. I actually went and did a a spreadsheet of the last several weeks. I've been saving them. And I'm going to give you my averages, and I'll post these online on the website for this episode. But Per day, I'm averaging 1.6 hours of use, which is kind of surprising. A whole, like an hour 0.6, that is a lot of usage. So week total, I'm averaging about 5.886 hours on my phone. Can you imagine five hours a week? That, that's a lot. Social media was an hour a day. I picked up my phone an average of 24 times every day. Uh, I guess inventory wise, reflecting on, I think I need to turn some notifications off and I need to seriously consider watching less video. You know, there's something to be said about being bored and I don't allow myself time to be bored. I'm always trying to fill that with sound, so. Uh, Boy, it was eye-opening to see how much I'm actually on my phone, especially with social media. I knew that my time would be high with uh, music and audiobooks and things like that, but with actual social media, Facebook, Instagram, uh, Snapchat, um, Twitter, things like that, uh, 
quite astounding numbers for me. It was usually at least five to six hours a day wow. of phone usage. Yeah. I also had some uh, painful hour-long customer service calls oh. for work. One of my friends actually went to a great length not to know her stats. I turned it off because I didn't want to know this. Um, <laughs> I'm so sorry, Chris. No, you don't have to apologize I to turned me. it off a while back because I'm like, I knew I was spending so much time on my phone. And so I turned it off. And I was like, because I didn't want to see how much time I was spending on my phone. Because it's really convicting, especially when it was like, three hours some days and I'm like oh my gosh I could be reading my bible studying something I mean it's a lot of pressure in the Christian world to be like with that time you could be reading the bible you know uh, does that ever that kind of guilt ever get to you it does to me sometimes um, but not always I read my bible in the morning when I get up and before I go to bed so I don't really get like too convicted but when I see my screen time, I'm like, I could be doing something way better with my time. Um, I had a lot of people texting me. My wife texts me a lot, and I text my wife a lot. We send a lot of those cute little pictures. Um, they're called GIFs. I don't know uh, if you know what those are. I do. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I'm not that out of touch. <laughs> Again, the average for an American is two hours, 22 minutes of phone time each day. Seems like most of us are running a little bit high in those areas. Messaging apps ended up being a really popular use of our phone time, which was a real surprise. At least for our small sample size, I was by far the video guy. Everyone else was messages and social media, which we could take care of if we left our phones at home, which was the challenge for day three. All right, day three, I had to leave my phone at home, uh, which I forgot to do. <laughs> so I left it in my car when I went to work and the gym, and then um, I didn't die. Uh, last night, I ended up playing cards with some friends, and um, they put a movie on in the background. So I had to sit with my back to the TV and uh, try not to pay attention. And it's amazing how many people try to show you a YouTube video when you're trying not to look at them. And I got to be honest, it was a little harder than I thought to not have it around. Not uh, not so much because I felt like I was missing out on connecting with someone or missing out on uh, something online or, or anything like that. Honestly, it was mostly because I'm not a very good planner. <laughs> God is a genius storyteller, and the evidence of this is threaded throughout Scripture. In Christianity Today's new show, Holy Curiosity, with me, Kat Armstrong, we explore storied connections threaded throughout Scripture from the Old Testament to the New. Our first miniseries, Connecting Dinah and the Woman at the Well, welcomes experts like Drs. Tim Mackey and Diane Landberg to give us insight and context into the physical location and meaning of these two stories. These stories will spark holy curiosity in your own faith, because once you see these connections, you can't unsee them. God wastes no person, place, or thing. Listen and subscribe to Holy Curiosity with Kat Armstrong on your favorite podcast platform. Couldn't I couldn't leave it at home. Uh, I'm required to have it at work, actually, because we kind of do like the walkie-talkie system because big, vast area. So the other thing is, you know, with kids, it's kind of the school's lifeline to you. 
and just so happened to be that uh, Boone puked at school that day. So they had to call me and I had to come pick him up. A lot of people cheated or modified on this one. I still think it's an important challenge. I leave my phone at home when I'm going to dinner with friends or when I'm at church because I want to be present. So I still challenge y'all to leave your phones at home, even just while you run errands. And if it's not required for work, don't take it. That apparently was a bridge too far for our listeners. Unlike day four, where our challenge was to delete an app. Seven? Yeah, I think so. 58, 59, 60, 61, 62, 63, 64. 64, you're well below average. Good job. What's the average? 80. Really? Yeah. Yeah, I don't like technology that much. Good job. The first one I thought about that I wanted to delete was Facebook off my phone because that's definitely the one that – that's kind of my go-to and that seems to be the one that eats up most of my time and I'm not getting anything out of it. And in fact, I feel like what I get out of it is more negative than positive. You know, I like it for the opportunity to um, stay, stay in contact with people but, you know, then I start reading comments and then I, I just start to get – you know, kind of frustrated with these people that are my friends, you know, because of the things they're commenting and, you know, read too much into things probably. But so uh, not only the amount of time that it caused me just to look, but sort of how I was feeling after uh, looking at Facebook, you know. Do you have a like a game that you could delete that, you, that is distracting? No, because I never play it. I have one game on here. It's called Last Hope. It's a zombie killing game. Yeah. I never play it. I'll delete that one. I really like it, though. Whatever is the biggest distraction to you, I hope you'll take a leap of faith and get rid of it. Day five, we're looking at our news. Some of us don't get much news at all. A lot of us get news from social media, but that brings with it the bias of people you know. If you're only friends with American Republicans, your news feed is going to lean pretty heavily in that direction. Some of us still get our news from TV or radio. The one app on my phone that I have for news is the BBC. So I've got the BBC and I get alerts from them, but otherwise it's just NPR and my morning drive to work, you know, so it's kind of local or statewide Wyoming news. NPR drive time radio counts. I asked if you thought NPR had a particular bias. Like I always feel like with NPR, everyone's pretty, um, they got they keep the kids gloves on. It's all very kind of, kind of uh, soft, I guess, you know, uh, and I listen to it at time in the morning when it's, it's like kind of stories and it's, there's a there's little news blurbs. Of course, everyone has a bias. To illustrate that point, I've got my brother Nick here and we are going to look at some headlines to actually try to decode some bias ourselves. Okay, that sounds good. Right, so we are on abcnews.com and uh, the first headline is leak of President Trump schedules a disgraceful breach of trust, White House says. So are there any biases right off the bat that you can think of? Man, I don't, it's, it does seem like this would be aimed more towards a Republican view, I think, just because, uh, you know, lack of transparency would be more of a Republican ideal. Right. Uh, so to the way this is written, uh, to put disgraceful breach of trust as a quote in there, I think that probably probably emphasizes their side. Right, more, more on the conservative side. I think it's more on the conservative right. side. Right, and just by the high, we haven't even read the article yet. No, we haven't. Yeah, yeah, so we're just looking at that. And then also there is like one of the things I mentioned in the first episode was that we can see kind of an American bias when we look at these things. First oh, of all, because you can see the front, the front 
story, the main story on the website is about President Trump. Yep, you've also got an American flag behind him too. And um, yeah, it's, it is very um, US centric. Right, story number two is Trump and Robert Mueller. Third story, Trump says he would have had a hard time letting son play football. So three Donald Trump stories. Right off the bat. Right off the bat. There is, oh, there's an Australia story, number four. It's an old lady being helped through a flood. So yeah, so already we're getting, I'm actually surprised because like story maybe number five is about Egypt unearths more than 40 mummies in maze of tombs. Wow, yeah. I'm kind of surprised. I didn't think that there would be so many international stories in the first. But I think though it doesn't doesn't say anything about like uh, political unrest or anything like that. We've got political unrest in the U.S., political unrest, and then it goes down to mummies, which, you know, Americans like mummies. They don't really care about, you know, the politics of someplace else. So I guess in in a way that is a bias because it's, it's, you know, it doesn't say anything about the Egyptian people or whatever is going on over there. It's just about the mummies because we like the Brendan Fraser mummy movies, maybe. I don't know. (laughs) So good. So, not really. No. No, they're not. Okay, so we'll go over to NPR. Oh, Governor Northam is finding himself increasingly alone in once-supportive Virginia. Oh, right, right. There was a supposedly racist photo of him as a teenager, either in blackface or in a white hood, like a Ku Klux Klan hood. Oh, man. Yeah, so not, yeah, not a good situation, but that's at the top of the page. Again, uh, America-centric. It is, yes. Right. So again, uh, one of the stories I mentioned in the first episode is that there are over a million Muslims in captivity in China right now. Right. And that's hardly ever on the top front page. Yeah, and here we are uh, haggling over somebody's yearbook photo from years and years before. Right. Not that it isn't important to know what's going on with our governors. But by comparison, the fact that people are in captivity. At first, women take the majority in Nevada legislature and Colorado House. So that one, I mean, I guess that's kind of an interesting story. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's a, a first. You know, that seems like a good one. But if you look at the difference between NPR and ABC, there's also a huge difference. Here we've got more women's rights things. We've got more uh, um, earth. It's about recycling. Recycling about the stuff, environment. environment stuff. Yeah. yeah. Which, again, is is a bias. It's not necessarily a bad way to go. No. But it's just one of those it's things different. that you kind of have to decode. Okay, this is what's going on with this site. Right. So maybe we should go to Fox News. Lawyer for Covington team goes after media, quote-unquote, mob, releases video explainer in brewing libel fight. So Fox News has kind of a conservative bent to it. A definite conservative bent. Yeah, and they've been, even though they are the news, they tend to attack the media. Right. Right, so I think that that's one of the big things. With media, quote, mob, uh, that is something that should explain some of, of that bias. That should... Right. It's Point. well. It also points that they have kind of an us versus them mentality, and right off the bat, their top story is an us versus them. And again, uh, this this one is very much about the United States. Mm-hmm. I think it's amazing to me just looking at the website. We've seen you know three different sites. This one is much busier. Oh yeah, than the so other much sites. going on. There's real estate on the right hand side. There's extra stuff going on on the left. There's uh yeah. There's marketing uh, way more ads. The top. So yeah. many ads. So right. So you're here, Nick. Can you Hi. intro? Our next challenge. Day six, have a face-to-face conversation. There were two big rules with this one. Your phone cannot be visible at all during the time you talk. And two, you can't end the conversation. You must wait for the other person to end it. Because a lot of us get antsy when a conversation starts to get deep. With this challenge, we leaned into the awkwardness. 
for my face-to-face, -face, I went out with a good friend to a Chinese restaurant and we closed the place down. We sat there for several hours. I had to use my phone once as a timepiece, but otherwise, there was a lot of success. And I'm not the only one who enjoyed this challenge. So I've got an opportunity almost every day with my coworkers. We sit around our, our table and we just chat, which is fun. But you know, I'd find myself scrolling through things. So you know, I definitely made it a point to not even, just leave my phone in my pocket, don't worry about it. Anyone who had to get a hold of me was right there at the table. So we are set. So yeah, I just kept it in my pocket and yeah, I had a great conversation. I, you know, it ended up being almost an hour during the lunch break. He asked a lot of questions too, which is key in conversation. It's one thing to talk with someone, but asking questions demonstrates that we're actually listening to what people say, which is hard to do with a phone in your face. And he didn't just talk over lunch. He went even further, taking the challenge home to his wife. Uh, Kale and I had a great conversation at home too because we just, because she did it at the same time as me, so we are both off it. We didn't have the TV on, we didn't have any music on, we just had a time of quiet and uh, kind of time to connect and so we chatted for a couple of hours that night and so yeah, we had, had plenty of opportunities to chat with people and it was good and it, um, you know, not having the, the distractions of looking at my phone were um, I think it really helped that conversation just to continue as long as it did in both in both cases. How long did it go for? Um, well, the, the, the people I talked to the most are the people at the bank, and I kept like some people in there for like five, ten minutes um, wow. chatting with them, usually about my New Zealand trip. Nice. Yeah, awesome. I just wouldn't let them go, and I'm like, but wait, I gotta tell you more. I'm like, well, I gotta go. <laughs> I did visit my son, Augie, who's eight uh, at school. For lunch so it kind of would count that as my meaningful conversation because um, I just talked with all the kids there they'll t ask you about your favorite color and then you'll ask them and they'll be really excited about it and they'll tell you everything that's going on in their lives and pretty interesting how how you you can connect with kids on a level that you can't with adults sometimes because they're just so willing to be more vulnerable and talk with you and and they want to share their life with you a lot more than I feel like when you become an adult you start to close yourself off a lot more to the world. After talking with other people the challenge moved to talking with God. Alright so final day for my media timeout, and it is time for 25 minutes of prayer. Five five-minute chunks. Praise, confession, thankfulness, pray for your own needs, and pray for the needs of others. All right, so I did the 25 minutes of prayer, and I I am really surprised at how fast it went by. Um, I, I, especially the thankfulness section, I, I thought maybe that would be a difficult one for me, but it ended up going really quick. You know, I kind of my morning routine is I'm already doing it for about 10 to 15 every morning, so I get up before... Uh, everything's happening in the house and I, you know, I have a little time of meditation, a little time of prayer and then uh, do some exercise stuff. And then my day kind of starts when the boys wake up around seven. So, um, you know, for me, adding, uh, you know, another 10 minutes wasn't that big of a deal, actually. So I'm kind of praying all the time and I do very kind of stream of consciousness praying where I'm I'm almost constantly praying in the moment. If I think of something, I pray right away. Uh, I don't usually do like a designated prayer time. I've been starting to get up at five o'clock in the morning lately, or at least do my best to do that. 
and when I get up, I try and set time aside to just read my Bible, and sometimes I pray before, well, I always pray a little bit before that, just saying, God, guide me in my reading today. It's been a long time since I've done sort of like an intentional prayer time with like intentional categories. I definitely did not run out of things to pray for. So that was really hard. Um, I like to pray like when I'm in the car, but I, mainly like when I do my main prayers, it's in my bed. And I actually kept falling asleep during that. <laughs> I was like, it was really hard to just like stay focused and like not like ramble on. Um, so it wasn't very successful, but it was it was tough, so it was tough. Yeah, you may want to get out of bed when you pray if you want to stay awake. I actually like to stand and pace the room if I have a long time to pray. And late at night, after a long day, I need to write my prayers out in order to stay focused. Overall, this was a positive experience for most of us. Thanks to everyone who participated in this project with me. As for our phones, hopefully we can see after all of this that we don't really need them in most situations. It's okay to go without them. We're in control of that little black rectangle. I'll probably just leave it at home more when I go out. Because I mean, I really don't need it. Pretty much everybody around you has a phone, unless they're doing this. <laughs> I think um, not spending as much time on my phone and social media, I'm gonna try to do more challenges like this to give myself more time to think and process things as opposed to sitting on social media. And I'm going to invite more silence into my life. Really, I can go an entire day without 30 seconds of silence. When I get it, I'm so thankful for it. Don't forget, one of the reasons we're doing this is so that we're aware of how we're influenced day to day by our phones, our music, our television, and our news. Our future episodes about the influencer economy will make much more sense if you're aware of how you're being influenced. We have some fascinating episodes coming up soon, including interviews with Andrew Schwab of Project 86 and the Pioneers podcast. Special thanks to author Michelle DeRussia for her contribution today. I'll have links to her website on our website at trucepodcast.com. You can also find us on social media at at trucepodcast. Once you're on our website, you can get the free PDF of this media timeout and sign up for our informative email updates. Would you take a few seconds and leave a positive review of this show on iTunes? It really makes a difference. Finally, if you're not taking a break from media, check out my movies Bringing Up Bobby and Between the Walls on Amazon Prime and PureFlix and my novel Cradle Robber on your favorite ebook platform. Thanks for listening. I'm Chris Sterren, and this is Truce. One thing that I find amazing about this technology is that we have so many messages and notifications coming at us that we don't always read all of the messages that we get. So a few people didn't realize that there were challenges for every day. It's in the PDF. I didn't read a PDF. <laughs> I read a media fast. <laughs> Did you email it to me? No, I'm just, I'm thinking of all the hours I spent on that PDF now, and I'm just wondering. Did anyone else read it? I, I just, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know where it is.